0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Fantasy Concierge Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chappine. For this week's episode, with all the injuries around the NFL, I'll go through our waiver wire rankings. We have an article that releases every Tuesday, so I'll go through that and give various thoughts on how to boost your team both in the short term and long term. So for those who don't have a Fantasy Concierge subscription and aren't able to view the waiver wire rankings, we give overall rankings of a top 10. And then go 8 deep at quarterback, 20 at running back, 30 at wide receiver, and 15 at tight end. And we do descriptions for the top 10. And subscribers are welcome to reach out with any questions about other guys that we don't mention or don't do a write-up for. So first in the overall rankings, he's been there I think a couple of weeks in a row. Jared Goff, he totaled four touchdowns in week five and basically continues to be very undervalued for fantasy purposes so he might have a couple of more difficult matchups over the next two weeks on the road versus the Bucks and Ravens but golf should already be rostered in all leagues and he's the perfect QB2 option to have both as an insurance policy and with bye weeks kicking in And number two Dalton Kincaid he had another quiet game in London last week but we're still very high on the talent I believe I mentioned on the first episode of the year that we had him as our number three overall prospect and compared him to Travis Kelsey. Now rookie tight ends can struggle to put up numbers in year one, but he's played at least half of Buffalo's offensive snaps in all five games. And it's easy to imagine him getting hot down the stretch. So Kincaid is someone we'd want to invest in as at least an upside bench option. The same is true for Zach Charbonnet at number three. could easily take the top spot in the overall rankings and he's easily the top running back. Kenneth Walker III has been great to begin 2023. But in terms of pure handcuff upside, Charbonnet has an RB1 ceiling. And it's also possible that Seattle goes with more of a split coming out of the buy, which would increase Charbonnet's standalone value. So as someone that's rostered in just 35% of ESPN.com leagues, Charbonnet is someone to add now and hope he pays dividends at some point. At number four, Ezekiel Elliott. This is a somewhat frustrating one because the Patriots have been so bad offensively. But Bill Belichick said after the loss on Sunday that they'll be starting over as a team. And I think the best chance to get on track is to play through the running backs with Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke being the offensive focus. Last night, on Monday night, the Green Bay running game, which had struggled with A.J. Dillon, was able to get going versus the Raiders. And we'll see if New England can have the same kind of success with Stevenson and Zeke leading the way, especially if they don't have Juju Smith-Schuster or DeMario Douglas because of concussions. So similar to Zach Charbonnet, not the same kind of upside, but Zeke is a great handcuff and should be on our rosters. At number five, we have Jaleel McLaughlin, who clearly passes the eye test and last week had 89 yards and a score on 11 touches with Javante Williams out. The concern for McLaughlin is being just five foot seven, so being a workhorse probably won't happen, and we would expect Javante Williams to be the lead back and round more into form coming off his torn ACL, but it's possible McLaughlin is the top guy, and he should at least see meaningful involvement every week, including as a pass catcher in a Sean Payton system that has typically gotten big results from the running back position. So you can probably argue McLaughlin has a bit more standalone value than Charbonnet or Elliott. And if you're in need of instant help at running back, then the rookie could be started this week as the Broncos take on the Chiefs on Thursday night and would carry RB to appeal if Williams misses another game. At number six, Kenneth Gainwell. He converted a key first down in the second half of the win over the Rams on Sunday. And he's proven to be an option that the Eagles trust late in games despite DeAndre Swift being the lead back. So on a great offense with some standalone value and handcuff potential behind Swift, the week one starter for the Eagles is an excellent bench option. Now a few wideouts for the final four spots in the top 10. First is Traylon Burks at number 7. It's unclear if he'll return this week as the Titans travel to take on the Ravens in London but his talent is worth investing in if on the waiver wire. And after this week and then a week 7 bye, the schedule sets up very favorably for Burks and the entire Tennessee offense. So he might be dropped in quite a few leagues that still have him rostered if he doesn't play this week or does nothing before the bye. So Burks is definitely a name to file away and strongly consider picking up if he becomes available. At number 8, he already had his bye week, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's been somewhat of an afterthought for Seattle's offense. They've basically been able to play through Kenneth Walker III, but JSN is another high-end talent that should be invested in. The best-case scenario would be Seattle wanting to get him more involved coming out of the bye, but even if that isn't the case, Smith and Jigba should be on benches as someone that could see his value increase significantly if DK Metcalf or especially Tyler Lockett were to ever miss time. And now might also be a good time to see what it would take to acquire Smith and Jigba in dynasty formats. At number 9 and number 10, Kadarius Tony and Rasheed Rice for the Chiefs. Tony has yet to be fully unleashed, but he played a season-high 38% of the snaps in Week 5. And he also saw a season-high 6 targets. I'd say, based on his talent, there's still a good chance he becomes close to a full-time player if Kansas City cuts down on the rotation at wide receiver. And the team not using him on special teams, I think he's only gotten one snap there, shows they have big plans for him on offense. And it'd be great to see him get increased downfield opportunities to pair with the underneath touches. And for Rice, he's been a strong presence in scoring territory and has seen at least five targets in all but one game this season, despite limited playing time. So like Tony, he can definitely become a full-time player this year. And I think the best trio for Kansas City would be Rice, Tony, and Justin Ross with the others mixing in. So we'll see if that ends up happening. And Ross doesn't make the top 10, but he saw four targets on six snaps last week. Caught two passes for 28 yards. So if you're in a deeper league, then it might make sense to at least take a flyer on Ross and see if his playing time grows in the coming weeks. Now I'll quickly hit on guys that weren't in the top 10 that are worth mentioning, mostly due to short-term value based on injury issues or other reasons. One guy that easily could have been in the top 10 is Roshan Johnson, Bears running back, who might miss this week with a concussion, but hopefully won't because the Bears played last Thursday. But Khalil Herbert will miss multiple games with high ankle sprain, which puts Johnson in line for the lead role and a decent schedule over the rest of October with games against the Vikings, Raiders, and Chargers. So for those in need of immediate help at running back, the rookie, who we really liked coming out of Texas, should be a low-end RB2 flux option for the next few weeks. And then the other two primary short-term options to consider would be Jeff Wilson Jr., who should make his return this week in a great spot versus Carolina, and will be an immediate flux option with a. chain out with an injury and we know Raheem Oster has an injury history of his own so Wilson can carry standalone appeal in Mike McDaniel's offense while also being a handcuff at least in the short term and for the Arizona backfield Amari Di Mercado is in line to be the starter with James Conner set to miss multiple weeks in his final college season at TCU Mercado showed well alongside and in place of Kendra Miller. So on an Arizona offense that has exceeded expectations and has an above-average offensive line, the undrafted rookie should be on the flex radar, including this week versus the Rams. And at wide receiver, the main name to watch is K.J. Osborne with Justin Jefferson down with a hamstring injury and placed on IR, especially with Minnesota at 1-4 and four and perhaps... Jefferson not returning even when he's eligible. Osborne could be a high-end flex option the rest of the way. He's shown a good connection with Kirk Cousins in scoring territory over the past couple of years, and last week was targeted nine times in the loss to the Chiefs. Last season, we saw the kind of damage that Osborne can do in that historic comeback over the Colts, and he should at least be a strong start this week. Against the Bears defense, he went for... 117 yards against last year in the season finale. And another option I mentioned at least one other previous week as more of a long term investment to make is Marvin Mims Jr. He had negative fantasy points in the loss to the Jets with a costly fumble, but there's been swirling trade talk around Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy. And if one or both of them are eventually moved, then Mims has a chance to be featured as Denver evaluates for the future. The rookie has already made a big impact in limited offensive snaps. So basically it makes sense to acquire him now while his value is relatively cheap rather than needing to contend with others if a trade does indeed come to fruition. It might also make sense to pick up Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks with the Dallas passing attack coming off a very poor performance against the Niners but heading into a Monday night game against the Los Angeles Chargers defense that's allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing wideouts. I get the feeling that CeeDee Lamb will be fed targets after he was clearly frustrated on Sunday night, but Jerry Jones said the opposite, that they need to get other tight ends and wideouts more involved. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out, and Gallup especially is someone I would invest in as a nice upside option to have on your bench. Then at tight end, we mentioned Kincaid already. The other guy, especially for this week, that I would consider picking up and starting would be Hunter Henry, taking on the Raiders because of the injuries to New England's pass catchers with, again, Juju and Mario Douglas potentially out. Henry could have more of a focus in the offense, and the veteran has gone over 50 yards in three of five games this season. So that will conclude this episode. Again, you can find this full waiver wire rankings article on wolfsports.com, along with our regular week six rankings and our rest of season rankings, which update every Wednesday. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consiliary Podcast.